This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's that installment of BOL Daybreak you look forward to the most. Not because of the information or the entertainment value, simply because it's TGIF. It's another Friday. Doesn't get any better than Daybreak on a Friday morning. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you three times a week. And uh, we're going to get you ready for another big sports weekend coming up. Uh, A cup of Crimson Tide on a Friday morning. Uh, We're going to get into some recruiting talk. It's certainly been a busy week at the website at BamaOnline.com in that regard. The transition from Freddie Roach from the Ole Miss staff to the University of Alabama staff. We've had plenty of coverage on that front for you. We'll have Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BOL, coming up a little bit later on in the show. And one of the things we'll touch on is that topic uh, right there, Freddie Roach, new on-the-field assistant coach at UA. So we'll have plenty of that for you coming up. But uh, there's been a lot of basketball, too. In fact, I took in some women's hoops last night at Coleman Coliseum. The Alabama ladies with a prime opportunity to knock off a top 25 team in the 15th ranked Texas A&M Aggies. The Aggies come to Tuscaloosa without their best player, Kennedy Carter, a dynamic scorer. If you haven't seen Carter, uh, one of the top five players probably overall in women's basketball in the Southeastern Conference. Alabama with an 11-point lead in the third quarter. Looks like they're going to close out A&M for the first time in series history. A&M had beaten Alabama eight straight times, 8-0 and in the series. Alas, it was not meant to be. A&M comes back in the fourth and final quarter. Remember, we got quarters in women's basketball. We should have quarters in men's basketball, too, but we'll save that for another day. Uh, but the fourth quarter belongs to the Aggies. And A&M escapes Tuscaloosa with a 79-74 win there at Coleman Coliseum. But the men's team, a little better result on Wednesday night up in Nashville at Memorial Gymnasium. Nate Oates' squad with its third straight SEC win. This one a 77-62 victory over the Commodores. UA, for the most part, overcame itself as much as Vandy knocking down 10 threes to help offset those 25 turnovers that Alabama committed in the win. John Petty with 23 points, 10 rebounds. Kyra Lewis goes for 16 points and seven boards. Uh, Together, the duo combined for 13 turnovers, but some really good outside shooting, especially from Petty with five more threes on Wednesday night helps Alabama improve to 11 and seven overall four and two in the SEC up next tomorrow evening at Coleman Coliseum. That's a five o'clock central tip off that game, by the way, will air on ESPN two Kansas state uh, makes the trip to West central Alabama. The Wildcats come to Coleman Coliseum with an 8-10 and 10 mark overall, losers of five of their last six games. Uh, and, you know, K-State's kind of already had 
an SEC challenge, a Big 12 SEC challenge of sorts. Uh, back in mid-December, K-State lost to Mississippi State on a neutral four, and K-State is coached by Bruce Weber, who you may recall, oh it's, gosh, it's been almost 15, 20, oh yeah, 15 years ago or so. Bruce Weber coached Illinois to the 2005 NCAA Tournament Championship game where the Illini fell by five points to North Carolina in that championship game. Illinois had that guard trio back then under Bruce Weber. D. Brown, Darren Williams, Luther Head. Yeah, dating myself probably a little bit at this point. Another storyline with this game tomorrow, too, Weber coached Kyra Lewis Jr. last summer. Uh, Kyra, part of that uh, USA, U, uh, United States U19 uh, national team that uh, won a World Cup gold medal. Now, Bruce didn't exactly utilize Kyra as much as maybe some Alabama fans would have liked. So maybe Kyra a little, a little extra fire in going against Bruce Weber and K-State tomorrow evening. Uh, Kansas State, as I'm sure you know at this point, given the the national headlines and national highlights that it made, coming off a lopsided loss at Kansas on Tuesday night. And that game ended with that nasty melee at Fog Allen uh, Fieldhouse there in Lawrence, Kansas. And as a result, Kansas State players James Love and Antonio Gordon were suspended multiple contests by the Big 12 Conference. Now, Love has only played in one game this season. Played two minutes, so that's not a loss of significance for K-State right now. It's not like they've had love services really at at any point this season. But Antonio Gordon uh, is a guy who averages five points and 3.9 rebounds per game. He played six minutes against Kansas in that loss midweek. And when you look at this Alabama team with the role that it's on right now and an opportunity to continue that against a struggling Kansas State Club coming in here. That NCAA tournament buzz is ramping up. You look at some of the metrics. You look at the net rating. You look at Ken Palm. Uh, Alabama's in a good spot right now. And Alabama also gets three of the next four games uh, at home. Kansas State on Saturday. uh, And then you go to LSU midweek. That'll be a tall challenge. LSU, though, if anything, probably tougher to deal with when the Tigers are on the road. They've won 12 straight. SEC games on the road LSU has, but you go to Baton Rouge uh, midweek, that's going to be an ESPN game, 6 o'clock next Wednesday. Um, Then you get, uh, then then you're going to have Arkansas and Tennessee back-to-back at Coleman Coliseum. So three of the next four at home, uh, you get through this stretch of next six or seven games, right around 500, a game over 500, and then you're going to head into a stretch where your last three weeks of the regular season, right now at least, looks pretty manageable because you're going to have home games with teams like Texas A&M, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and even on the road. Ole Miss really struggling right now. You're going to go to Oxford. Uh, Mississippi State in a return game. State has bounced back from a slow start to conference play. Looks really good here of late. Uh, And you're going to go to Missouri. So I think when you look at those final six regular season games, if you get to that point, a couple of games over 500 in the league, uh, you got a chance to get to what, 11 and seven in the league, perhaps, or something like that. 
by the time we're entering the uh, when we're talking about the SEC tournament, a lot of things to consider. But this Alabama team, in terms of its health, got some good news on uh, Thursday as well. The SEC coaches teleconference earlier on Thursday. Nate Oates with JV and Davis had that injury against Vanderbilt on Wednesday night. Did not look good. Didn't even really sound all that good in the immediate aftermath from the win. Uh, but Oates on Thursday, a lot more uh, optimistic about uh, JV and Davis and being able to bounce back pretty quickly from this thing. In fact, JV and Davis himself on social media, you may have seen on Thursday, letting the fan base know that uh, he was going to be good to go. So some good news for an Alabama team that really can't afford much more in the way of losses from a personnel standpoint. And certainly when you look at the post, while this team is very much perimeter-oriented, uh, even with a, a guy like Alex Reese, who, who is impactful uh, from beyond the three-point line, you, you need the numbers right now in the post as much as uh, you can possibly have. So there you go. It got you ready for Alabama, Kansas State on Saturday evening. And now what we're going to do is shift gears and check in with Hank South, my colleague there with BamaOnline.com does an outstanding job of covering recruiting along with Tim Watts and our staff. Uh, let's do that. Let's get to Hank South right here on BOL Daybreak on a Friday. Check it in with Hank. And with that, we do turn to Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BamaOnline.com. We always appreciate Hank stopping by here on Daybreak. Hank, how are you doing? I'm good, Travis. How about you? Uh, I think we're doing okay, you know, just uh, getting into, uh, it seems like a little bit more of the basketball season, but before you know it, spring practice will be here, and we've got early enrollees on campus that we've talked about in some previous editions of Daybreak, but wanted to have you on to touch on some hot topics as it relates to recruiting here, certainly as we move down the stretch of the 2020 cycle Uh, You've got junior days, I guess, still out there to come, Uh, early offers going out. So let's start with that, more so logistics uh, for this Alabama recruiting effort, Hank, and uh, understanding another official visit weekend is upon us. How how will that all sort of work moving forward here in the next few weeks with official visits and junior days and those type of things? Yeah, you know, it's kind of an interesting uh, year in in 2020 um, in that uh, the month of February is actually a dead period now. The, there's a couple days. Uh, I, b- I believe that it goes dead on February 3rd. So there's a couple days that are that are still live and, and recruits can make visits. But uh, for the first time since I've covered recruiting, um, the month of February is dead. So we're seeing a, a little bit more emphasis on um, on the, the junior day set up for uh, for Alabama on February 1st, which is not this upcoming Saturday, but next Saturday. Um, we've already, you know, confirmed over a dozen big visitors expected in for that. Typically, we see Bama do one right before National Signing Day, and then we see them do another one um, in, in late February. But um, with with the month of February being dead um, this year, uh, it, it looks like it'll at least just be uh, there'll be one. Maybe they'll do something in March for for uh, for juniors, but um, we'll keep an eye on that. So that's kind of what we're looking towards right now, as far as official visitors go. Um, you know, with the early signing period taking a bulk of kind of the recruiting drama away. There's only a handful of guys left that um, are, are out there to take official visits. And, um, you know, Bama, Bama hosted a couple last weekend or three last weekend, a couple of committed guys. Um, um, and, and then um, Cedric Van Pran 
the, the Georgia offensive line commitment um, was on campus this weekend. It's going to be even smaller um, in terms of numbers of official visitors. Um, they're expecting Ennis Rakestraw, the, the defensive back commit, uh, the defensive back target that's kind of blowing up on the recruiting scene lately. And then, um, and then Damian George, the offensive tackle commit to Alabama right now. So um, not a, not a huge turnout, but that's to be expected um, with most of the class already signed and a lot of the class already enrolled. So that's kind of what we're looking towards. A couple of Texans expected in town uh, here in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Um, coaches obviously on the road. You've been updating that consistently there at BamaOnline.com, especially right there on the premium message board, the roundtable. Has that been sort of a combination of things in play there, Hank, between closing out this 2020 class and getting uh, a look ahead to 2021, maybe even 2022 when it comes to future prospects? Yeah, we, we've seen the Alabama staff obviously go check in on on a lot of the 20 or you know the handful of 2020 targets remaining, um, but it has in large part been more about um, or seemingly more about checking in on 2021 guys, getting their evaluations in, um, beyond that 2022 and 2023 at this point, honestly, um, you know, with those guys, the, the staff can't talk to them or meet with them like they can the 2020 class at this point, but, um, they can get in there, um, check in on them, um, in the weight room and their off season program, checking on their grades, all that kind of stuff. And, um, we all, we, we see a lot of offers go out. We see a lot of invites to the junior day go out at this at this time too. So, you know, a lot of these 2021 guys they're, they're checking in on right now. You see a lot of these guys kind of pop up early in the spring on campus um, for junior days, uh, specifically next, next Saturday. I think we'll see a lot of the guys they're seeing this week on campus next week. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a preview of, of early targets or early guys the staff really likes. And then obviously, you know, that changes throughout the year with camp season and all that, but yeah, definitely this month compared to um, the December contact period, we're seeing a lot more emphasis on underclassmen and, and um, staff checking in on those guys. Yeah. Speaking of staff, obviously we've been tracking the return of Freddie Roach to the uh, University of Alabama football program, this time in an on-the-field capacity. What can you tell us about Freddie Roach in terms of where he's already been representing uh, Alabama on the recruiting trail and, and maybe where is he anticipated to be headed next? Uh, obviously, uh, we, we've had a lot of interest in McKinley Jackson, the defensive lineman from Loosedale, Mississippi. Uh, what have we seen from, from Freddie Roach thus far on the recruiting trail? Yeah, he, he hit the ground running and, and obviously he's going to have a chance to make an immediate impact um, for Alabama in this 2020 class. Like you mentioned, McKinley Jackson, um, Pete Golding has done a really good job there. He's actually kept Alabama in the running there um, for as long as they have have been in uh, one of his top schools. But, you know, adding Freddie Roach to the mix, who was his primary recruiter at Ole Miss, that just kind of, you know, makes it even it's that much more significant in terms of um, his interest in Alabama and, and kind of where they stand for McKinley Jackson. And we saw him, uh, we saw Freddie Roach and, and Pete Golding um, check in on McKinley on Wednesday of this week um, at his, uh, his award ceremony. And then um, we'll see Nick Saban visit McKinley next week um, for, for that final in-home visit um, before national signing day. And I, I would anticipate Freddie Roach being there for that as well as probably Pete Golding. So um, they, they still got some more face time to go with McKinley Jackson who has a couple of visits left, but I, I think that's a huge hire in terms of Bama's chances there uh, for McKinley Jackson, because, you know, before Freddie Roach, I thought Bama was still in good shape, but, you know, adding him to the mix now, I, I think it's even, even greater. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, chances are even 
greater to, to land McKinley Jackson in this uh, 2020 class for Alabama. But um, beyond that, you know, we, we haven't seen a lot of stops just yet. I, I know there was that tweet on, uh, I believe it was Tuesday of him in Memphis um, recruiting um, for Alabama. So uh, I think we'll see him a, a lot, you know, in, in Mississippi, Southern Mississippi, and obviously, you know, the state of Alabama, you know, with, with his ties to the state and, uh, and uh, everything he's done, you know, at Alabama and, you know, when he, when he's been on, off the, on the, off the field staff, um, in Tuscaloosa. So I think we'll see him pop up there a lot, but, you know, I, I think it's a big hire and I think we'll see him emerge as one of the, one of the better recruiters on the staff. Let's talk tight end as if we haven't enough already, Hank, in this cycle. <laughs> um, it's been, it's been an adventure, I guess you could say. Uh, I think lost in all of it or forgotten at least is that Alabama did actually take a tight end in this class very early on. Caden Clark uh, has been a, was a longtime commitment to Alabama, unfortunately sustained a knee injury back in October. So his entry to the program uh, has been pushed back from January to perhaps uh, the upcoming summer. Uh, but with that, it's been pretty obvious that Alabama would have preferred to have taken another high-level tight end. A couple of options have not worked out, as we've discussed uh, many times in the past. Where does that sit right now with the position as we close out 2020? And uh, is the is the portal a possibility, I guess, too, from that perspective? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, everyone is, that's followed Alabama recruiting this cycle is familiar with, with Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington and, and how those recruitments unfolded. Uh, Brandon Frazier was another name that popped up in the month of December. Um, he, he had Alabama in his top four. Uh, he, he, but, you know, with Frazier, he never set up an, an official visit to Alabama. Uh, you know, he, he's, he, he was considering Auburn, Arkansas. He was actually committed to Arkansas at one point under Chad Morris. And then, you know, once Auburn hired Chad Morris to their staff as offensive coordinator, that kind of um, gave them the momentum and the recruitment, in my opinion. And, and Bama is not really in the mix for him at this point. So that leaves Bama, you know, still still on the hunt for, for tight end if they decide to, to bring another one in to join Caden Clark. And one name we've reported on at Bama Online is, is Carl Tucker, who's a grad transfer from, uh, from North Carolina. Um, he was on an official visit last weekend to Florida state and, and we actually caught up with him. There's an interview on, on his, um, 24 seven sports page, um, about his interest in Alabama. He's been talking to Jeff Banks, um, pretty, pretty frequently. Um, and obviously the interest is there. Um, he has a uh, one more year of eligibility left. Um, he was granted a sixth year of eligibility. So he's a, he's a veteran tight end. Um, and you know, we'll see if he decides to make a visit, if Bama decides to put an offer on the table for him. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I, I think he's the one name right now. And, and I think after signing day, uh, you know, even in the next couple of weeks leading up to signing day, maybe some other names pop up um, in the portal at the tight end position. Um, but that's kind of where it's at at this point um, in, in terms of that, that hunt, uh, the hunt at the tight end position. So as we sit here uh, heading into the last weekend of January, if signing day were today, who are the guys among the, the committed players who did not sign in December and maybe a couple of targets that are still out there, uncommitted, maybe even committed elsewhere, that you would feel comfortable predicting to Alabama if, if signing day, if the late signing day were today? Yeah, I, I think of the guys committed to Alabama that, did, that didn't sign or didn't publicly sign, um, I, I think Javon Baker, Jameel Burroughs, and Damian George are, are 
pretty likely to stick with Alabama on February 5th. Um, Jason Jones, I still, you know, just, you know, following this recruitment, it's kind of hard to see how it's going to happen. I don't think either way he's going to sign, whether he sticks with Alabama is the biggest question. I, I don't anticipate him to sign with Alabama just because uh, of, you know, his situation and potentially taking a blue shirt and, and what go, what entails, uh, what that entails in, in terms of actually signing. Um, he's been to Baylor. He's going to Oregon this upcoming weekend. Um, so, so we'll see what happens with him, but, um, I, I think Javon Baker, Jamil Burroughs and Damian George are, are likely to stick with Alabama and, and with Javon Baker and Jamil Burroughs, obviously that entails, you know, the, them clearing their academic hurdles and that kind of stuff, but they're both working towards that. And, and you know, if, if that all goes well, I fully anticipate them to, to sign with Alabama. Um, but beyond guys that are committed, um, to, to the tide, um, I, I think the one guy I'm, right now is McKinley Jackson. And, you know, there's so, there's such limited space left in this class that it's hard to really project more than that at this point, um, especially if those um, those guys I just mentioned sign end up signing um, as we expect them to do. Um, so I, I would go with McKinley Jackson. Um, we'll see what happens with Ennis Rakestraw this weekend on his official visit, um, whether Bama makes a push, whether they, they have a spot for him. Um, because obviously if, if they do, I, I think they're going to be a, a tough team to beat, um, for NS Rakestraw as well. So right now I'm going to go McKinley Jackson and then, uh, those, the, the three of the four guys currently committed, um, to, to stick with Bama. There you go. Hank South recruiting analyst for us there. BamaOnline.com does an outstanding job. Check out the website right now. Continuous updates at the round table, the premium message board there with us at BOL. Hank, appreciate the time. We'll do it again soon. Sure thing. Thanks, Travis. And that's going to be a wrap for a Friday edition of Daybreak, BOL Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll do it again on Monday.